This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the weekly Unpacking It Facebook Live podcast, where we unpack the very latest in sports, faith, and life. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, from his mouth to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast presented by MetaShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. For the next hour or so, we will unpack sports faith and life with the unpacking it community of sports fans. Wow. What a weekend in sports. There is so much to react to, you know, we're NFL guys. And so yesterday was just a unbelievable day and it sets up for what should be a fantastic couple of weeks where the NFL playoffs go from wildcard weekend to the super bowl. And I can't wait for all of it. And then throw in tonight, We've got the college football national championship, Alabama, Georgia, the rematch. That's right. We get to see these two teams again. And today during our unpack this segment, we will discuss the rematch and how it relates to our own lives and how we actually face rematches on a daily basis. And so we face a similar opponent every single day. And so we will get into that in just a little bit. We will let you know what we're convinced of today. We will do tap drill today. We will discuss the head coaching changes going on in the NFL. I'm sure there will be news that will break over the next hour as well, I imagine. And, and then also, what happened yesterday? I mean, I, I'm, my head is still spinning from the NFL action. And, and so... Let's let's say hello to Luke and 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 Luke. I, I'm going to uh, jump into. I'm convinced, and and we'll we'll get some some instant reaction uh, to the NFL weekend. But but how are you doing? And how fired up are you for today's show? Well, like you, I feel like yesterday wasn't even real. Watching <laughs> these games, I it was. I don't know how to feel. I, I was like, yeah. was yesterday a dream? Was I it know. a nightmare? I yeah. I'm still processing. So today I look forward to a lot of processing. This is like a sports counseling session. Like we're processing <laughs> here together what happened yesterday. So I think off the bat, I have to say this. I'm convinced that two changes to the NFL that maybe I was hesitant about at first were actually great ideas. One, the added wild card team, oh, which yeah. I guess started last year. And then two, the extra week or replacing a preseason game with a regular season game and having 18 weeks of the NFL season. Hmm. Now I didn't think we needed an extra week, but if yesterday is any indication of what we will see each year during week 18, sign me up. I'm in, yes. I, I, I'm there. I'm there for it. And, and let's go because from start to finish, I, I was real into the one o'clock games. And then I was able to watch the Sunday night game, Monday morning, which, so I didn't know what happened. So I watched last night's crazy wild game this morning. Um, but here's what I'm convinced of. 
and and we'll break down the uh, the whole Chargers <laughs> loss. But but from a bigger standpoint, I'm convinced the Chargers should be in the playoffs. The Colts should be in the playoffs. The Raiders have no business being in the playoffs. The Steelers <laughs> have no business being in the playoffs. I, I'm convinced I can't wrap my mind around the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles are in the playoffs. And, and, yeah. and here's what it comes down to. Justin Herbert is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, last night's game, the throws he was making, the fourth down throws he was making, how clutch he is, incredible he is. For him to not be in the playoffs is a shame. And I, was, I was listening and watching a bunch of stuff today, and that is the sentiment, and I echo that, that sentiment. We miss out on not, ha- not having him. And the Indianapolis Colts, the team that I was on the bandwagon for oh. all season long, they absolutely should be in the playoffs. All they had to do was beat the Raiders last week or the, or the Jaguars this week. Listen, I love Carson Wentz. I love Frank Reich. But it was an unacceptable circumstance or, or, or outcome. This should never have happened. I mean, under, under any circumstance, you cannot lose yeah. to the Jacksonville Jaguars in week 18 when they're thinking about Cancun. They're ready. <laughs> they're done. Their season's been over for, I don't know, 15 weeks. It's been it, over before week one. It, it's been a disaster. <laughs> so, so for the, the Jags to end the Colts season the way they did oh. was, was just crazy. So that's what I'm convinced of today. So that launches me into what I'm convinced of. And I'm convinced I know – after yesterday, I now know who the mo- who which fans this season have the most suffering. It's not Lions fans. You know what? They as they the Matt the the Manning curse officially lives on with Aaron Rodgers losing. Well, he didn't play this. He didn't play the second half. I forgot about that. The Manning curse lives on. It's not Lions fans. It's not Jaguars fans who have endured the most suffering this season. It's not Texans fans. It is Indianapolis Colts fans. It oh. is no no doubt in my mind. They are the most sick to their stomach fans this season. Yes. You win your you you beat the worst team in the league, you go to the playoffs. No doubt. Yeah, you bring in Carson Wentz. The the Frank Wright connection. You have yep. the best running back in the NFL. Yeah. Possible Jonathan Taylor. MVP. You I mean, you have to go beat the worst team in the league and you lose somewhat convincingly yes i mean if you're a colts fan you i i tip my cap to you i'm thinking of you today you <laughs> have it you have you have the most suffering as an nfl fan this season and you cannot convince me otherwise that that is that is it's terrible right. they had more pro bowlers i think than any other team either as many as anybody i mean they were loaded with pro bowlers and then to not make it and to have jonathan taylor oh. and not make the playoffs and again the chargers to have herbert and not make the playoffs and I would also say the charge that Chargers fans have a tough time too. True. Because think about it. Is you know, the difference with the Chargers is they still win a lot of games. Like they win nine, ten, even eleven games every year. Like with Phillip Rivers throughout his entire career, they're always competitive. They were in the playoffs, but they yeah. always find ways to lose. And now oh. with a new coach, a new regime, a, a new quarterback, it's the same old, same old. So so last night's game was really one of the best Colin Cowherd said it was the best game of the year. I mean, it's been one of the most epic games. I was explaining to my five month old who I was holding this morning that this is one of the greatest games. Like this is unbelievable. I was trying to explain to her and to my wife who didn't care what was happening. I'm like, guys, this is unbelievable. So I'm glad to be with you today, Luke, to, to, to be able to talk (laughs) about this because Michaela was not responding to me. She, she, she couldn't quite grasp how 
this game, it could have ended in a tie with both teams that could have gone to the playoffs. We like went into this game knowing that it was a possibility, how absurd that it was a possibility. And then you threw in the fact that the Colts lost and then the Steelers won. How did the Steelers win for yes. one? Just the way that they even won with Roethlisberger coming up with huge, I guess it was a fourth down play or third down play uh, at the end of that game. So I, I just throw my hands up. Like, I don't even know what, to, I don't even know what to say, but that game last night lived up to the hype, what we could have dreamed it to be. Yes. And then for the Raiders with the season that they had, the turmoil, oh the, dis, the, the disappointments, the you know really bad stuff with Gruden, the really bad stuff with rugs, yet they keep rolling. And Derek Carr, our boy, my boy, I don't like the Raiders, but my boy, Derek Carr, awesome job, man. Incredible. The, the other thing I'm convinced of is if the Raiders coach is not named head coach and he, if he's if he end, ends up not being the guy they go with i'm convinced that the raiders have no idea what they're doing are, are, are you <laughs> yeah. kidding me yeah, are you kidding me him. he has it's earned the right work, but yes I, I there's i'm i'm just not sure there's anything else he could have done to earn the right to be named the head coach officially like like are we serious here he has to be the guy and not, it doesn't have to be. Name? That's what I want to know. Say that again. No one knows the name of the head coach of the Raiders. I can't yeah. even think of it right now. I was, I was watching. I think it was Colin Cowherd. He didn't say his name either. I don't know his. I don't know his name. I was looking it up. I was like, I. I still don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> I will say though, <laughs> terrible. It's, it's, it's one of it's one of the strong. He has one of the strongest goatees I've seen in years. There is not a hair out of place, <laughs> and every time they pan to him on the sideline, I'm telling you, not a hair <laughs> out of place on his <laughs> goatee. Oh, it was uh, it was losing. unbelievable. It's funny you say that. So last night I I shaved because I, I, I probably a week long beard. It was <laughs> getting scruffy. It starts to itch and it's bad. Yeah. So I shaved just to see what a goatee would look like. Because I used mm-hmm. to have one when I was younger. It's still just as bad. So yeah, not everybody can pull that off. So so you're giving the Raiders head coach whatever his name happens to be. However you say his name, the guy's a legend. We better remember this legend. Name. Because what he's done and what he did yesterday, where even after the, the press conference, I was listening to him. He's like, oh, yeah, we, we would have been fine with the tie. We were thinking tie toward, toward the end. And then the Chargers called the timeout. But I know a lot of people are criticizing. I think Henry's all fired up about okay. it, too. Yes. About the timeout. And, we need to so talk let, about that. Okay, you, you, you go. But I, I'm not as adamant that it was such a mistake. Yes. Because I still think the Chargers – they were in a situation where they were trying to keep them I and mean, they were trying to keep the game alive. They didn't know for sure that the Raiders would play for a tie. Like they, that they were, they were on defense. So they were trying to get their best defense out there. And yep. they thought that a timeout would allow them to do that. That's so, why I began with the bigger yeah. issue. The fact that they're not in the playoffs, they should have won other games as well. They should have never been even in a situation where you're playing for a tie with your playoff hopes on the line. When you have Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert as your two key stars. True. So I, I, that's my other thing I'm convinced of. I, the, the slander that Staley called a timeout at the end of the game, that timeout did nothing to change anything. It had no influence. So I'm convinced that the timeout had no influence because, let me explain, everyone's saying, oh, I can't believe he called a timeout that lost in the season. If you're going to get mad at Staley for anything, it's going for it on fourth down inside your own 20. That's the That's thing true. you you are upset with. But the timeout, the Raiders, so the Raiders actually have something to, to play for. If they win, they play Cincinnati in the first round. 
If yep. they tie, they go to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So they're th- basically what the Raiders are doing is we're going to run the ball. We're not going to throw it. We're going to run the ball. If we get in good field goal position, we'll kick the field goal. If we don't, fine. We'll let the clock run out or we'll punt it. And the Chargers will for sure kneel it because if they win or tie, nothing changes where they who they play in the playoffs. So as a Chargers fan, the first and second down, no one's calling a timeout. Both teams look like it's going to a tie, and they keep showing Steelers fans in the in the yeah. crowd, which Steelers fans at that game, <laughs> interesting in the first place. Yeah, Poor is. guys. But well, they're, they're, ter- they're terrified. So I, I totally buy what Staley said is he called a timeout because he wanted to get a better run defense out there. Yep. They subbed out a, uh, their linebacker, put in an extra lineman, and they're thinking, hey, we want to prevent them from getting a good gain here so we can have them kick a long field goal. They're, the Chargers were not calling a timeout to try to get the ball back and score. So I don't, regardless if they call a timeout or not, it was only a difference of four seconds on the play clock. The same thing happens regardless. Raiders run the ball. If Chargers call a timeout, they run the ball if they don't call a timeout. Now, the, pl- the running play was changed, but regardless, the Raiders are running the ball and so I, I don't think the timeout changed anything. What happened was the Chargers proved that they still can't stop the run, which has been a problem <laughs> all year, and they gave up a 10-yard run, which led to a 47-yard field goal attempt. So I don't think anything. I don't think the timeout did anything to change the outcome. That's that's my opinion. I, I just the overreaction of all the timeout lost them a chance of the playoffs. I think that's a huge overreaction. Well, and also I want to focus on the fact that. We went in knowing that the tie carried a lot of weight, meaning both teams could get in with a tie. And and so I'm watching the game thinking, you know, is it possible to script or orchestrate a tie? Like, could they pull this off without it being, you know, obvious where they kneel every time and, all right, you kneel, we punt, kneel, kneel. But but the NFL is just too complicated, it's too difficult, so that could never happen. So it ended up just being this epic game where it just – they both were competitive. They both had the playoffs on the line and they both showed up to, you know, to play and it, it went into overtime and then all the way down to the final seconds for a was, field goal to win it. So the, that, that's just a remarkable way. This ended the NFL season, the longest NFL season we've ever had with 18 weeks in the midst of the COVID shenanigans all year long. And that's yes. how the season ended. The fact <laughs> that it almost happened, the fact that the tie yes. almost happened with everything that happened in the fourth quarter, the Chargers had 25,000 fourth down conversions. The uh, fact uh, that, that the tie one. almost happened. Think of how rare ties are in the NFL. Yes. One or, two, one one or two a season, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Uh, it's as a Steelers fan, I would have been throwing up. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I just watching this game, Madeline, my wife was reading Harry Potter and I'm watching this game. I'm screaming at the TV. (laughs) Like what is going on? I'm telling her, Madeline, this is one of the craziest things I have ever witnessed in the history of watching sports. One second away from the, one of the craziest things to ever send teams to the playoffs. It, It was unbelievable. So are we? Di- so I'm anti ties, but a part of me is definitely disappointed that it didn't end in a tie. <laughs> Only time I've ever rooted for a tie. Them. I know, right? Yeah. I think that's. I think that's the case. It's like deep down, I didn't really want a tie. I wanted somebody to to win it, but it would have been just so fascinating. And then for the, for Pittsburgh to 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 not think that they were going to make it, 
Like one of our good buddies, Paul, who's a part of unpacking it. He won our fantasy league, uh, big Steelers fan. I've been talking to him throughout the year. There, there was no indication that this was a playoff team for the Steelers this Tomlin year. Tomlin was on the hot seat. I mean, it, it's Big Ben's done. Like, is it time to, yeah. you know, even move on from him midway through the season? And, oh, can Mason Rudolph? Uh, maybe he can throw the ball more than 10 yards, you know, or, or uh, Haskins. It's like, wow, well, what other options do they have? And here they are. And, and, and we'll talk more about the matchups in, in a few minutes. But with Mike Tomlin and the Steelers in the playoffs, I won't be shocked if they make a run. I won't be. I'm, I'm shocked that they've made it to a certain extent just based on where we were at, at at certain points during the season. We had written them off, given up mm-hmm. on them. But we shouldn't do that with Mike Tomlin. I can't believe, I have to confess, I went against some of my guys, guys that I, I love rooting for. Mike Tomlin, Derek Carr, two guys I've interviewed over the years. Love these guys, root for these guys. But I totally wrote off the Raiders, totally wrote off the Steelers, and here they are oh, yeah. in the playoffs. Oh. So good for them. Good for them. Unbelievable. And, and also, sorry, I got so much to say. And then the other thing <laughs> with the Chargers. So in general, I am all I'm all for going for it on fourth down. You know, playing football like it's Madden in, in you know real life. Go for oh, yeah. it on fourth down. And so the Chargers, like they don't even care. They're like, we're going for it because earlier in the game, they actually kicked a field goal. They missed. And they're like, all right, we're done with our kickers. We're moving <laughs> on. We're, we're not trusting him anymore. Um, and so now they go for it. But I. I've rooted for the Chargers this year. I like Herbert. I like I like Eckler too. But they frustrated me with their their decision making. I will say that 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 a lot of those fourth downs, they were either not a great time to call fourth down or they were a dumb play to to run on fourth down. Let alone whether it was executed or not. It's like, yeah. dude, why are you running that type of play on this fourth down play? So the, the they Chargers saved are, their fourth down magic team. for the fourth quarter. I still, I, so. I did, still can't, I, I still can't get over. It. I was watching the game; they would convert another one. I'm like, Madeline, again? Are you kidding me? Did this just happen again? And then they don't convert it, and then it's a defensive holding, and then it's first <laughs> down. Right. Are you kidding? Right. The fourth and twenty-one touchdown oh, to to goodness. tie it, or no, to not tie it, to get within one score, and then the touchdown Walmart. to Mike Williams. I mean, I, I just can't even believe it. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yep. So they, they, I mean, yeah, they, they made it turn into an epic game. So that was one of the most you know, memorable moments of the season. And, and I really believe this sets us up for what should be a very competitive. There will be upsets in the playoffs. And so we'll talk about the matchups in, in just a little bit. Let me thank our presenting sponsor, MediShare. Uh, they're a wonderful partner here at Unpacking It. Uh, my wife and I, we've been MediShare members for over five years MediShare is an innovative healthcare solution for Christians looking to save money without sacrificing on quality. They're the nation's largest healthcare sharing community. MediShare members take comfort in knowing their eligible medical expenses will be shared by their community. And so MediShare has provided us with an affordable and effective way to pay for healthcare and encourage you to check out their options. And if they can save you money, uh, just text the word unpack to the number 201201. That's the, the number 201201. And then just text the word unpack and you'll get a link to uh, be able to find out more information about MediShare. All right. So Luke's with us today. Henry's with us today. We'll do tap drill in just a little bit. But before we get into unpack this, Henry, what are you convinced of today? And how do you feel about Dave Gettleman, your GM of the New York Giants, retiring? 
big big news out of New York. What's going on, boys? Well, let's get the let's get this out of the way first. I'm happy. Dave Gettleman announced his retirement because the Giants really didn't want to fire him. So you know that they had to have some type of conversation. Say, you know what? We're gonna fire. We're, we're gonna retire. You just say you're gonna retire. We'll have the big pop in circumstance. How you were an asset to the organization for many years and just usher him out the door as opposed to saying, you know what? You're fired. That doesn't, that has such a negative connotation to it. And let's be real. His, his whole tenure with the giants as, as, as a GM was kind of negative, but he's out. We're going to give him his pomp and circumstance, give him his flowers. Thank you for being such a part of the organization. And we keep moving on now. Henry, Henry, let, let me stop. Let me stop you right there. What what is pomp and circumstance? Do, do you know what you mean? <laughs> pomp and circumstance. What, what what is that exactly? I understand pomp. what you're referring to, but where did that where does that word come from? And when when do we really use that word? I think we use the pomp and pomp? I think I think we use pomp. That's P O M P and circumstance when it comes to like graduation and you and all of the ceremony and and the, and the coming down of the aisle i think that's where that comes from i got to plead also, ignor- i got to plead ignorance here i totally just smiled and nodded cuz i have no clue what that is <laughs> i've never heard that in my life I'm, i heard that and i'm like all right luke just smile and nod smile and nod yeah pop uh, circumstance he dropped it twice. But I needed I needed to make sure we uh, we clarify what we were talking about here. When, when we so. talk about pomp and circumstance, we're talking about giving somebody their flowers while they're still living and just doing it up. And if you have like a graduation, if you ever seen a kid's graduation, or at least you guys will see when the kindergarten graduation comes down and the kids are in their their little caps and gowns. And Shannon says it. Shannon says it. Yeah, a big parade when you make like a really big hoopla about somebody or about an event. That's well, we don't. Have, we definitely don't have time to get into this today. But kindergarten graduation, oh, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll save that for another show. It'll make you want to tune in again. <laughs> kindergarten graduation. We're talking about gowns. Come on, Henry. <laughs> You're not the only one bringing that up. Maddie's only but, two, so I got some years to hopefully that trend changes. But we'll see if the pop and circumstance changes by the time she gets to kindergarten. So, all right, but, Henry. What, so what, what are I'm you convinced about? about but what I'm convinced about is everything that we're talking about right now. We're talking about the the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben supposedly is supposed to ride off into the sunset. We're talking about the Chargers and the Raiders. They're supposed to end in a tie, and then the Raiders wind up sending the Chargers home. We can't forget about the 49ers and Jimmy and Jimmy Garoppolo with a, a piece of a chunk of his hand not there, and he leading the 49ers into the playoffs. And I say all of that to say that the NFL or football, however you want to call it, is the biggest and most successful reality show going right now. Forget your MTV, forget your real world, forget your 90 days before the day. Give me the NFL. As a matter of fact, the USFL is coming back again, and they're going to do football in the spring, and I'm excited for that. We got college football on Saturday. We got NFL on Sunday. Give me the NFL. It is the biggest it is the biggest reality show going, and that train's not stopping anytime soon. I love how I love how Henry, your I'm convinced, was an indirect shot at all TLC shows. Forget, <laughs> forget your 90 Day Fiance, forget all that stuff. NFL yeah, forget, is king. For, forget for, forget love love after lockup and all that other stuff. Oh. Give me the NFL. 
Yes, uh, that's, that's not debatable. That's for sure. Uh, Luke, actually, you sent me the top, what was it? The top 100 shows of 2021? Well, the, 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 the top 10. Well, yes, for sure. The top 10 uh, telecasts of the year, nine of them were NFL games. One was the presidential inauguration. And then like 95% of the top 100 are NFL games. It's unbelievable. unbelievable. Crazy. Like, it's like regular season games made the top 10. Of oh, telecasts yeah. of every type of telecast possible in America. Crazy. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So, uh, all right. Well, good, good stuff. And uh, I'll add this, too. And we'll, we'll, we'll do more with, uh, with Henry in just a little bit. But, but Henry, he's got his eye on the chat. So if you're, if you're listening and watching, uh, whether Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, leave your comments. Henry will see your comments. He'll respond. Uh, and so we appreciate the, uh, the interaction during the show. Uh, as always, and some of the best comments will make it to the to the stream uh, for people that watch it later on on any of those platforms as well. All right, but the uh, no, just the, this reality with the NFL too. You know the, the parody that we enjoy so much, and I, I wrote about this on Friday. Just how quickly teams can turn things around. You know, Cincinnati Bengals last year four wins. This year they make it, they win their division and, and make the playoffs. And and so the the closeness of games really matters in the NFL because I was listening to something like if the Panthers actually won the, the games that they were close this year, which it's surprising to even think that how bad the season ended, but they'd be like nine and seven because they were in all these close games that they, they blew it at the end. And so that's how the Eagles got into the playoffs. They won those close games. And so that's and that, same with the Raiders. That's how the Raiders got in. And so yeah. it's all about these close games. It's all about how, you know, one year can be different than, than the year before if you finish it out, if you close it out, because I won't be surprised if next year, the chargers win 12, 13 games, they're that good, but you got to win the close ones. Um, but it makes it fun. And there's a lot of optimism, I think going into next season. And that's what makes it you know, a little crazy today that we heard the news in Miami where they're one of those teams that, you know, next year you'd think, gosh, some of those, those tight games they they'd win, but instead they fired Brian Flores uh, which we'll talk about in, in just a little bit, which is a wild one. So, all right, let, let's do unpack this. And, and tonight, of course, the college football championship. And I read an article right before the show about how they need to move the college football championship to another night of the week. Just asking the question, like, why is it on a Monday night? And I think it's, I think it's a, they make a great case. Like, they should have done it last Friday night. Absolutely. Because then we weren't thinking NFL yet. Let college football take center stage. Hmm. But the reality is today, like, we're excited. I mean, I'll be ready to roll at 8 o'clock to watch this game as long as I can get the girls down uh, to bed, my daughters. But, you know, I'll, I'll be all fired up. They got the mega cast and, and all that. They need to have the Manning brothers, which they don't, which is <laughs> That would out. be something. Now we're talking. But, uh, but think about it. Today we're all fired up about the playoffs. We got the NFL, True. you know, the, the schedule comes out. We got all the coaches getting fired today, which is, which is dramatic and interesting. And then, you know, so college football, I don't think it gets as much uh, much of the momentum and, and discussion as maybe they could get if it True. was a different different timing. And True. especially, I think the week 18 changes it too. If, oh, I, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, that kind of, that, that this feels a little bit different even today, uh, just based on the timing of it all. So um, anyway, that's a side note. Today's topic, though, is all about the rematch tonight. Okay, so Alabama, Georgia, remember back in, in 2017, what a, an amazing national championship game that was. That was Tua's big game coming in the second half. Yeah. Coming to star. It was a shocking, you know, comeback. 
and and dramatic you know final touchdown for the win. And then also this year, you know, Georgia really was the team all year long. Like they were the team to beat, but we always know Alabama's right there, right? It's always Alabama's always in the mix, but but they had a loss on their record and Georgia was undefeated heading into the SEC championship game. Alabama beats Georgia. So now by 17, by 17 uh, convincing points. Win. A very convincing win. Exactly. Uh 41 to 24. And so now tonight we get a rematch just from a month ago. And so the question becomes, you know, what will be different this time around? You know, what will be the biggest adjustments? I don't know, Luke, if there's an adjustment that you're you're most curious to see, but but what will be, you know, what will make this outcome different? Will it just be well, Alabama beat Georgia a month ago, they'll do it again because they know how to beat Georgia. They they kind of yeah. own Georgia, so to speak. Well, there could be almost like a psychological hold there. It's like <laughs> hey, you've you've lost so many times, and there's certainly a spiritual aspect here we'll get into, but you lose so many times, it's can we beat them? And then you add in as a sports fan, how many times are you gonna are you gonna really bet against Nick Saban? It's like, are you really gonna pick against a guy like Tom Brady? Uh, but it's hard. The thing I'm looking for is, I mean, Bryce Young for Alabama just totally diced apart Georgia secondary, mm. who really didn't have to, really wasn't exposed before that game because the Georgia defensive line, their front seven is just, it's all time. It's ridiculous. Yep. Top so, picks next in the draft this year. Oh, yeah, 100%. Indeed. I mean, the best linebacker in the country. Um, so if Bama's able to hold off their pass rush again, I don't know. It, it could be more of the same. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see the adjustments. That's and right. as, a, as a sports nerd, it's going to be fun to see two great coaches make adjustments. That, that are very familiar with, with each other. Very, very. Which, which I mean, of course, Kirby Smart, former assistant of Nick Saban. I mean, talk about familiarity. Right. Incredible. That's right. Yeah. Not not only having played against each other, but but having been on the same sideline in the same locker room and all that. So, uh, you know, the, the big thing. So last game, the, this great Georgia defense had zero sacks. And so, you know, that's what they're, they're one of the top teams and they can't even get to the quarterback. So can Bryce Young continue that getting away from the defense? And, and that, that O-line protecting him. So that'll be one of the things to, to obviously keep an eye on. And so what will be different? Well, how will the outcome be different? And, and will Georgia be able to, to pull it out? Now, here at Unpacking It, we, we look at the, the spiritual parallels, the faith aspect of different stories during our Unpack This segment. And what I want to focus on is this idea that just because Georgia lost last time doesn't mean that they're going to lose again. Just because Alabama won the SEC championship, they won the, the last time they, they played in the, the national championship against Georgia, doesn't mean that they're going to win again. And so tonight's game, it starts over. It's 0-0, and the battle begins at 8 Eastern. And so for you and I in our own lives, every day when we wake up, we step into a spiritual battle. And... It begins in, you know, in many different ways, and, and really what it is is a rematch. It's a rematch every single day to what we've faced previously. Now, we absolutely you know, learn lessons from the day before, the year before, you know, throughout our journey, and based on the wins and losses that, that we've faced. But because of this spiritual battle, there's an evil force. Uh, Satan is, is, is looking to, to kill, steal, and destroy that's the opponent 
that we're up against. And, and, and along with that, we, we have the opponent, which is our, our sinful nature mm-hmm. that, that, is, that is raging war against our, our spiritual nature. And so when we receive Christ, we are given the Holy Spirit. And so now we have this battle. We're living in the sinful world, and we have our sinful nature, yet we have the Spirit within us, and this spiritual battle is going on every day. And so it's a rematch. And so, you know, maybe yesterday we, we fought well. We fought well against temptation. We fought against, you know, the, the sinful opportunities. And we made the right choices. And we, we yielded to the Spirit instead of our, our sinful nature. But today is a new day. And so if yesterday we won against anger, today we got to win again. Just because we won yesterday doesn't mean we'll win again. Now we might learn you know, how we won yesterday and, and oh, we got to kind of do that again. Or, oh, here's why I lost yesterday, so I don't want to do that again or, or take those, those steps again. So we absolutely do that. But just because we won doesn't mean we'll win today. And just because we lost yesterday doesn't mean that we have to lose today. So we can't let the pride of winning yesterday uh, affect us today. We can't let the, lo- the, the shame of losing yesterday uh, affect us today either. Uh, we got, it starts fresh. It starts fresh. It's a new battle today. And so in the Bible, in Galatians, it says, for the sinful nat- nature has its desire, which is opposed to the spirit. And the desires of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. For these two, the sinful nature and the spirit are in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict, so that you as believers do not always do whatever good things you want to do. And so we want to win, but, but there are days where you know, we're in that battle and our sinful nature, it wins that day. Um, and so we have to you know, come before the Lord in, in confession and, and, and recognize the next day. And sometimes more than days. Zero, zero. Sometimes it's prolonged. Sometimes it's months. Good, and it's, good point. So you can continue, but I just want sometimes for, for those listening today, I know in my life, what we're talking about, sometimes it lasts for months. It's not just, oh, I've had a couple of bad days. It's easy to feel like you've been losing for a long time. And that, that parallels well with the Georgia-Alabama rivalry, or I guess you call it a rivalry, but Alabama has dominated Georgia and has, has won you know, a significant amount of times against them. And, and so that absolutely uh, lines up. And so, you know, we go up against the same opponent, same temptations, uh, you know, similar attacks, and our enemy knows how to take us down. And, and we're familiar with how he's going to scheme against us, you know, based on our weaknesses. And so that's why we have to look to, to what it says in Ephesians, where it says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And so since this is a daily rematch, we have to remember that, that whether we, we won or lost yesterday, today is a new day. It's a new fight uh, of faith. And so we have to acknowledge that there is a battle because sometimes we just, ah, nah, we don't even think about it, but we have to realize there is a spiritual battle and we have to prepare for this rematch as we step out, you know, onto the field, so to speak, we step into our day that we're prepared. And, and so, again, Ephesians continues, um, for, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. So we stand, you know, the, the, the belt of truth. 
the 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 uh, armor on our chest of righteousness, the uh, the 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 feet, the gospel of peace. Uh, we take up the shield of faith, uh, and then we take on the, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so that's the the full armor that we were able to put on uh, each day. And so again, we learned from yesterday, we learned from those those previous losses, those previous wins. But the battle starts over today. And ultimately, we rest in knowing this, that the victory, the eternal victory is secure because of Jesus. And so although we have daily battles, the, the battle for our soul, when we surrender to him and place our hope and faith and, and, and our salvation comes from him because of our faith, um, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we know that, that eternity, uh, that has been won. That, that victory is secure in him. And so we continue to live, though, in this daily battle, in these daily rematches that, that we must be prepared for each day. And we don't do it in our own strength, uh, but we do it based on, on the Lord giving us that strength each day uh, to fight well, to fight the, the, the good fight of faith. So there you go. You can unpack that. Luke, anything else you wanted to add? Gosh, I mean, what a, what a dense topic. I mean, there's so many different directions you could go. Um, but it's, it's extremely relevant. Georgia and Bama again as a like to a George the the Georgia football team it's so easy to relate to them because you think of your own life I think in my life there's been there's been a handful of times in my life where I'm stuck I'm stuck in a certain habit I'm stuck in a certain sin and I feel trapped I can't mm. get out mm. I feel like I'm and and that's a whole different discussion <clears throat> from feeling like you're losing in life if, if outward things are just happening to you, like losing a loved one. That's totally different than feeling stuck in a sin. You can't win. Um, and the first thing I think of is I we have to preach the gospel to ourselves mm. daily, yep. hourly. How often do we preach the gospel to ourselves? Because when we're when we feel trapped, when we feel stuck, the first thing we want to do is rely on our own strength, is hmm. is dig ourselves out. And when I've when there's been times in my life where I've been stuck in a sin, at my first I look back, why did I why did I not find freedom sooner? It's because I was relying on my own strength. Even if I had great intentions. It's so easy to have good intentions and then try to do everything on your own and you keep failing and you keep failing. But the thing I have to remind myself, I have to preach myself the gospel every day. It's I was saved by God's grace. Ultimately, I, my, my soul has been saved by God's grace. And it's also by God's grace that I'm able to walk faithfully with God. It's not God saves me, and then by my own effort, I become more like Christ. This perform—I've talked about this before. This is certainly true for me, and I'm sure a lot of people. It's this tendency to rely on our own strength to perform. It's up to us. No. You're saved by God's grace, and then you surrender— and you are transformed by God's grace. So I, I just, you talk about being stuck and feeling like losing all the time. You, the first step that I've found freedom in is preaching the gospel to myself as a reminder on, okay, I need to surrender. I, I'm not going to find strength in myself. I find strength in God to be saved and to be transformed. So that's, that's just something to, as a spiritual discipline, Look at yourself in the mirror and preach the gospel to yourself. Because we need to, Christians who have been Christians for years and years and years need to hear the gospel just as much as people who are not saved. 
it's it's a wonderful reminder and it's absolutely true because the gospel changes us day in day out and 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 that truth uh allows us to to trust him more and because yeah that that keeps us grounded that keeps us having the right focus and and, and I'll just say this again you know paralleling it to Alabama you know just because they they won the mm. SEC championship it's easy to think all right yeah we yeah we we got it we'll take care of Georgia our fans might think they they're probably more overly confident than uh players are uh but you think ah, i'm good and i think we can do that too where maybe there were previous sins in our life that we that we struggled with and they haven't been an issue for us in the last year 10 years or whatever but if we don't continue to put on the armor of god continue to be wise continue to seek integrity continue to to live you know more and more like jesus and we let things creep back in or we we take things lightly we have to we have to be careful because because we, we can we could fall again and we always wonder oh you know how do oh man I thought that you know that pastor how did that happen how did that happen how do you fall well you think you're you, oh I got that taken care of and we downplay certain things and we we, we got to take we got to take all that serious each day seriously each day yes we, we kind of we start we start fresh like you're saying remind ourselves of the gospel put on the armor of God and recognize that we've got an opponent today and we've got to take that opponent seriously. And, and it's and true. Got, it's yeah. it's the importance of starting your day grounded in truth. It, just just to piggyback off your saying, just to reiterate, if you identify with Alabama right now, you've had success against your opponent Georgia. If you've if you've been finding freedom in certain sins, you've you're, you're rejoicing in increased obedience and faithfulness. Great, wake up and preach the gospel to yourself because it's not by your strength you're doing that. It's by it's by the strength of God. If you feel trapped in a sin, you feel like you've been losing, you can't get out, wake up, preach the gospel to yourself, and realize it's by God's strength you'll get out. It's, it's, both ends should result in the same thing, which is surrendering to the power of God. But both ends of the spectrum so easily put our focus on ourself, which, is, which never, ever works. That's right. Amen. So we'll end it right there. Uh, we'll send out the devotional later today. If you haven't subscribed to the Unpack This devotional, uh, check that out, unpackingit.com slash subscribe. We send it out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Take sports stories related to the Bible, related to our own lives, uh, designed to challenge, encourage, and inspire each other as we continue to follow Jesus and uh, seek to become more like him. All right, let, let's take a look at the NFL playoff calendar schedule and I'm excited. I can't wait for Saturday. It's going to be fun. So it starts off with Raiders Bengals, which is, apparently is the least interesting game. That's the slot that the, the TV slot that they give to the, the least interesting game. And then Monday night football Cardinals Rams has the chance, I think for a pretty fun shootout. Um, so they, I guess they played, wait, they played, they, they played yesterday. Was that the Rams Cardinals? Rams yeah, that was oh, it was Cardinals, Rams Cardinals Seahawks. Oh, so, it felt, they played last week. Cardinal. I felt like I just saw the Cardinals Rams. Yeah. So let me let me it's just rejoice week. here really quickly. Going into yesterday, it was very likely Cowboys number number four seed, and it's going to be Cowboys Cardinals first round of the playoffs. Which as a Cowboys right. fan, great. Cardinals. We've talked about here before. Not too daunting, but. If if the Bucks would have also lost yesterday, Cowboys would have been the two seed. But the Bucks win, the Rams lose after being up seventeen zero. So the the Rams lose, which was wild. And then the Cardinals 
lose to the Seahawks. So now the Cowboys get the Niners in the first round because the Cowboys are the three seed. So I, I don't know where I was going with that. I just want to say as a Cowboys fan, yesterday was fantastic. Now, the Niners are certainly still terrifying. As any NFL playoff team, you can make an argument for, oh, my gosh, they could beat us by 30 points. But I don't know. Yesterday, the chaos yesterday worked in Dallas's favor. So as a Cowboys fan, all you Cowboys fans out there, I'm cheering along with you. Yesterday was a good day. There you go. That's right. So as I look at these these matchups, every team, every home team, except for the Bengals, like, you know, quote unquote, has to win, is expected to win. There's more pressure on them to win. And you would expect that because they're the the higher, the lower seeds. However, you I never understand higher seeds or lower seeds. Think about that. What? That, it always happens during March Madness. I always catch myself. The lower yeah. seed or the higher seed? You want to be the lower seed, so technically the lower seed. But you're yeah. you're better, so you're higher up. True. Very confusing. Very confusing. Um, a lot of pomp and circumstance around it. Um, <laughs> but, but like The jury's the Bang- still out on what to say. That's right. But the Bengals, like to me, they're playing with house money, getting into the playoffs, and they're still early in the Joe Burrow, you know, tenure and this is jamar chase's rookie season so you know good for them now the raiders are also playing with house money so that's actually an intriguing game so the fact that that's kind of the the worst one on paper very interesting both going in hey i think that'll be a tight one but like the bills they have to win they have to beat the patriots with a rookie quarterback that has to happen the bucks absolutely they have to beat the eagles in nick sirianni's first season your cowboys better beat the 49ers you yeah. better beat the Niners. And then the Chiefs, of course, have to beat the Steelers who snuck in. And then the Rams. The Rams go all in on this season. This is their year. They have to do it. Maybe they get maybe next year too. I think some of these guys are under contract next year too. But the, the, they've they've saw, they've mortgaged their future for the now. And so the Rams have to be the all in. So going into the weekend, that's very intriguing to me because who's gonna pull the upset? Who's going to be the story next Monday where, man, they blew it. I can't believe they let you – know, I can't believe the Bills let the Patriots win, that, that type of thing. Do you, so. like, do you like the amount of division game – division opponents playing each other in the first round? Is that more exciting? Or, is, or would you rather see a teams who are not in the same division? Because Bills-Patriots, round three. Yep. Rams-Cardinals, round three. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think. There's another one. Well, the Niners Cowboys feels like they're divisional teams just because of the history. So that's, so, a, that's yeah. A the media is going to eat that up. So yeah, that's a good. You're one. welcome, media. Sunday at four thirty. Yeah, on behalf, yeah, on behalf oh, that's of Romo. the Cowboys. That's yeah. Romo. Romo gets that game. You're welcome. Which oh, that's going to be fantastic. Yeah, that's but a good it, one. it's it's fascinating because it's the it's a it's a wild card it's a wild card round. So automatically, talk about a big game because the playoffs and then you add in a division rival Ooh, it's nice like that oh, card like that it. cardinals rams game probably i mean I, for me outside of the cowboys niners game that's probably the game i'm most excited for because i don't know that's just the fact that that's the four five game with how good those teams are is crazy I, again we, we're finally here Let's just take a second and have gratitude for we've been talking about parody all year long. We've been talking about the playoffs are going to be incredible all year long. And we're here. The teams are seated. Now we just get to sit back and enjoy. 
Let's Are go. you kidding me? We're here. It, it, well, and I'm going back and forth. Do I want any fantasy ramifications during the playoffs or just enjoy the games? Because for 17 weeks, it was all about fantasy football for me. Mm. And now, so this week 18 was the first weekend where it's like, hey, I'm just sitting back enjoying the games. And it was kind of nice. So maybe I'll do that for the playoffs as well. But, but <laughs> because we're sports fans here at Unpacking It, it's more important for rooting interests versus analyzing every matchup. So that always takes priority. So for me, here's where I come out as a fan, just an NFL fan. I am rooting. I think the best Super Bowl matchup would be the Bucks patriots Bill Belichick versus Tom Brady. I know everybody's tired of Tom Brady. Everybody's tired of Bill Belichick. But to see those two in the Super Bowl on opposite sidelines, I think that's most intriguing. Secondarily, I would enjoy the Steelers making a run and getting mm. to, the, to the championship to take on the Packers who they played years ago in the Super Bowl. So I would like to see that rematch. Um, I, I don't want to see the Eagles do it. They, those fans, all my family, my next door neighbor, all my buddies, I don't want, I, you're lucky you guys got in. Like to me, we were in the same boat in like week seven or something, the Panthers and Eagles and the Panthers season totally unravels and the Eagles sneak into the playoffs. It's, it's just, it's just outrageous. So I can't yeah. root for them. Um, the 49ers <laughs> frustrated me too much this season with the way that they played. And I don't know. I just, uh, their whole, the fact that they went for Trey Lance, they traded up for him and they don't really have a spot for him. Cause they still have Garoppolo. They frustrate me. So, um, anyway, there you go. That, those are my, those are, I'd like to see, I, I'm, I'm fine with the Titans making a run too. I still think they're underrated. I wrote about them this past week. Uh, I think, I think we've been a little blind to how good they are. And now they get a healthy Derrick Henry. I'm okay with that for them to, to ride it out and, and, and yeah. make it to the Super Bowl. That'd be cool. So here's what I'm rooting for. Obviously, the Dallas Cowboys winning the Super Bowl. And this year. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> the, road to the, the road to the conference championship, it looks favorable. Because now being the three seed, you win. Then you play the lowest remaining seed. You go to, you go to Tampa, who assuming likely will beat the Eagles. You go to Tampa, who the Cowboys barely lost to week one of the NFL season. You don't have to play. You wouldn't have to play the Packers until theoretically the conference championship. So love that for the Cowboys. If the Cowboys aren't in the Super Bowl, I think Chiefs-Packers would be fantastic, that quarterback Mm -hmm. duel. And outside yep. of that, how many state farm commercials would we have to watch? That would be painful. Very true. We yeah, would, we, would, would, we would need like all state or shout out to oh. my wife's company, my wife's company, who she works for travelers insurance slide on in and just destroy state farm. But <laughs> the other thing I'm rooting for, which I think would perhaps be outside of the Cowboys winning, maybe the number one thing I'd root for a Titan Super Bowl win. The, it would, would be, be perhaps. Crazy the most remarkable Super Bowl win maybe ever in my lifetime with the Eagles winning you miss think of they have they have missed now the Eagles Super Bowl is impressive but as a Cowboys loyalist I can't give them too much credit so <laughs> but the, the amount of games that the Titans players have missed how are they oh, the yeah. number one seed I mean yeah. I'm with you you talked about Vrabel's coach of the year it's Absolutely. a no-brainer He's coach yeah. of the year. It's not even close. You but miss I, don't, ga- I don't hear enough love. I still don't hear enough love. It's unbelievable. Them. I mean, you miss games, Julio Jones. You miss, I.J. Brown missed five games. 
You, you they have, didn't even have any receivers at one point already. I mean, they got Dante Foreman off the off the street. You, you, you bring in Adrian that. Peterson. You miss right. game. They have really multiple the defensive starters that have missed games. You miss Derrick Henry. I mean, are you kidding me? And they're the one seed. You had a five game stretch where you beat the Rams, the Chiefs, the Colts. It's just it's unbelievable. So a Titan Super Bowl. I mean, that would go down as some of a team that won the Super Bowl with the greatest adversity. It's just, it would be remarkable. So yeah, the sports fan in me, the underdog in me, that would be so cool. But they're the number one seed with a bye. That's Which is so crazy. crazy. That's Again, crazy about it. it really that's is. part of the underdog story is that they're the one seed. Are you kidding me? I will say I like the Rams. I like the Stafford story. I, Cooper Cup was awesome this year. I, I root yeah. for him. Um, I like Aaron Donald fine. He's he's cool. Von Miller and eh, Broncos beat my Panthers in the Super Bowl fifty. So I don't like that. I don't like like him as much. But but I could see the Rams. I like the Rams to me could make a run, and I, I'd be okay with that. So we'll see. Well, it's gonna be fun. I think there's there's there are enough reasons to root for different teams, even if your team isn't in it. Um, so let me know who you're in. Uh, who you're behind, I should say. What team are you behind heading into the playoffs? Who do you think will win? Who do you want to win? What matchup would you like to see? Uh, even even next round, what are you rooting to see? Uh, let, let me know. You can email me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com, or leave your comments uh, whether, wherever you're watching, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. All right, so let's, uh, let's get to the MetaShare moment of the week. And, and we've talked a lot of football today, but I want to get a little NBA in on this because yesterday was a special, special moment uh, in the NBA. After two plus years, two major injuries, Clay Thompson returned to the floor Unreal. for the Golden State Warriors. He made his first shot. He he it was a crazy circus shot, beautiful shot. Made his first shot. Ended up dunking with authority, with authority later in the game. <laughs> And finished with 17 points in 20 minutes. He was three of eight from the three-point line. Even got a block. They were wondering, you know, oh, is he going to be able to play defense? I th- I, early on, I was watching early. I, th- I thought he was playing pretty good D, too. So it's going to be fascinating to see, you know, can he stay healthy? Can he stay out there? You know, how, how long will it take him to get his, his legs back from a conditioning standpoint to be able to play more than 20 minutes? And will the Warriors make it back to the championship. So we'll have plenty of weeks uh, and months to discuss the NBA. But the, the moment of the week was last night to, to see Clay Thompson, I guess it was in Golden State. The crowd was going nuts for him. Yeah. Um, and, and to have him back on the floor as one of the greatest shooters of all time, right there yes. with Steph Curry, uh, one of the great kind of good guys in the NBA. You know, people respect him, good teammate, you know, has been that number two guy to Steph. Then when Durant was there, he had to move to, to number three, uh, but always, you know, was willing to embrace that, at least from what we could gather as fans. Um, and even Draymond wanting to be in the starting lineup was a little confusing to me, but that was cool too. Uh, so it was just a special scene. They even had our boy Brian Anderson on the call yeah. with Stan Gundy. It was like a special NBA TV night. Um, so that 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 was that was going on during the Raiders Chargers game. So I'm sure a lot of people missed it. Uh, but I wanted to make sure we uh, we gave some love to Clay Thompson. And that is your MetaShare moment of the week. And if you want more information about MetaShare, text the word UNPACK to the number 201-201.
MediShare is an innovative healthcare solution for Christians looking to save money without sacrificing on quality. It's, gosh, as a sports fan, you want to watch Clay Thompson. Well, he's one of the more likable guys in the NBA. He's he's hilarious, great player. I mean, he's not, there's no controversy. You love to watch him play no matter who you're a fan of. And I just want to take a second to acknowledge the unlikelihood of him returning. Oh, my gosh. Like, are you serious? A torn ACL. We'll start with the torn ACL with how how that derails players, yep. especially a guy who's a two-way player who has to move laterally, who constantly is running off screens. So that's a major injury. Immediately tears his Achilles once he comes back from the ACL, which you want to talk about even more so a career ender. Think of what the fact that DeMarcus Cousins is still playing with his torn Achilles and torn quad, all that. A torn Achilles is a year-long recovery, and that's brutal to recover from. So he went back-to-back ACL Achilles. The fact that he has the, the, the mental confidence to actually try to dunk in traffic and land awkwardly, mm. that, to, to overcome that mental hurdle to trust your knee and to trust your Achilles— to be able to play, the fact that he's playing is remarkable. I, I don't want to take that for granted. Like, oh, yeah, it's Clay Thompson. He'll come back. ACL and Achilles, no. N- n- less than 1% of people come back from that. It's like that's that's unbelievable. So I just want to appreciate as a sports fan, it was greatness that he's playing again and that he's expected to be a key contributor with those injuries. Great point. And I, yeah, I'm blown away by it. Excited to see him out there and, and thankful that, that he, he he's back because I think back to, you know, growing up as an NBA fan, three names come to mind where injuries really slowed them down and, and kind of their, their, their career trajectory changed Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill and Derek Rose. And mm-hmm. if Rose is still playing, you know, decent comeback now with, with the Knicks. Uh, and Grant Hill ended up having a nice, you know, second half of his career. He was playing in Phoenix, and but he never got back to that level that I I loved. I mean, he was unbelievable as that point forward. He was carrying Detroit Pistons teams early in his career. Penny yeah. Hardaway was electric and ended up just kind of bouncing around and never never regained that. Yeah. So Derrick Rose so, was youngest MVP ever. Oh, I mean, yeah, the path yeah. he was on, and then he had major knee injuries, and so uh, that was a bummer. So. With Clay Thompson, I mean, he already has accomplished a lot <laughs> to win multiple yeah. championships, and he's right up there with all the three-point records and, and yeah. all that kind of thing. Uh, but I'll be curious kind of what does his second half of his career now look like, and and, and how does it compare to, to those three names that, that popped into my head? Yeah. So, all right, so there you go. Let's, uh, let's bring back Henry, and he's been uh, talking to everybody on the chat today, so it uh, looks like some good discussion going on uh, during the show, so we appreciate that. And, and let's do a little tap drill. A couple of the other things we haven't gotten to. We haven't really talked about some of the head coaching changes, which I'm always intrigued by. And so, you know, next week we'll, we'll have more of the answers as to who, who's re- kind of taken over some of these vacancies. Uh, so that'll be fun. But it looks like my Carolina Panthers are keeping Matt Rule unless something changes later this afternoon, uh, which is interesting. So now the big decision will be who comes in as offensive coordinator for the Panthers because Joe Brady – got fired uh, midway through the season, a little after midway. But um, 
some of the names that popped up yesterday, Bill O'Brien and Jay Gruden. No, thank you. Uh, Please. No, thank you. Please. Never again. Those guys should not be in key coaching positions (laughs) ever, ever. They never should have been. They never should be again. I know Bill O'Brien's doing fine in Alabama. That's what, yeah. what they gained the net for him. That's right. So anyway, I hope that that is not the case for, uh, for the Panthers, but Henry, take it away. All right, Bryce, we're going to actually, I'm going to actually going to call an audible. I'm going to stay right with your Carolina Panthers for a quick second. Um, did you hear about David Tepper saying that the saying that hiring Matt rule was one of the biggest regrets he had. And now in on um, black Monday, he's still going to be coach. You fired the offensive coordinator. How do you feel about Matt rule still being your Carolina head coach? Wait, where did Tepper say that? He did. I I'll, that. I'll, I'll find it for you. He was he he did an interview. I'm not too sure why he said it, but he said that he regretted. <laughs> yeah, one of my biggest regrets, but we'll we'll keep him anyway. Yeah, all right. Exactly. <laughs> well, my big thing is all right. If you're going to commit to somebody for six years, then you got to give him three years. Like I, I understand from his perspective. All right, we'll give him three years. But the fans have totally turned in Charlotte. There, there's very few Matt Rule apologists or anybody willing to be patient. I mean, during the Hornets game this week, they were chanting fire Matt rule. No at an NBA way. Game. Yeah. No way. Well, anytime your sports cross over, you know, it's usually it's fun when you're at the you know Falcons game cheering on the Braves or something like that. Yeah. But here in Charlotte, it's it's at a Hornets game. You're you're. Oh, my God. Fire Matt rule. Not a good sign. <laughs> Not a good sign. Wow. So. So anyway. Oh, my goodness. All right. Staying with the NFL. Uh, staying with the NFL, and you mentioned the firings, in particular the Jags, as we all well know. Uh, Urban Meyer thankfully got fired. Uh, the Vikings, um, Zimmer got uh, Zimmer got fired. Uh, Matt Nagy got fired Nagy. today. Uh, the Raiders, of course, John Gruden and the controversy that he had was fired. Vic Fangio of the Broncos was also let go. Uh, I believe it was Saturday he got let go after their game, and the one. The one firing that everybody's got their head scratching over is uh, the Miami Dolphins letting go of their head coach, Brian Flores. And now after winning seven, I think eight of their last nine games and finishing with a, a winning record the last two seasons, Brian Flores has let go. That's kind of a head scratcher. So Luke, so Bryce, I'll let you go wherever you guys want to go. But my question to you is this. What which of these teams has the biggest storyline going into the offseason? Well, I think to me that I, I don't like the Dolphins, but I, I think the way that Jalen Waddle played this year was remarkable. And so that was like the surprise with them. And then the fact that the Dolphins won all those games in a row and I thought finished the season you know, really well. Last week they got blown out by, I guess, Tennessee. Uh, but then they won yesterday against the Patriots. Um so it, it didn't make a lot of sense to move on from Flores. I thought he's done a, done a nice job. There's still many players away. Remember, just a few years ago, they totally got rid of all their players. Remember, they traded everyone away. Everyone. And now three years later, they're at least competitive and in the mix. Now they're back still to back always... winning seasons. For yeah. it hasn't happened in a long time. But I was I was eating a little. Uh, I, I make delicious tuna salad. So I take a can of tuna, and then I add deliciousness to that that can of tuna. And I was eating some that today. I, I was, dainty I was, lunches, your tuna salad, uh, your hummus and carrots. Mm, some pita chips. I had some pita chips and tuna today with cornbread. How about that? But anyway, wow. I'm eating that and I'm watching Colin Cowherd. 
And I have to give him, I have to give him some credit. He had a great take on Brian Flores. And he was saying this is the best thing to happen to Brian Flores. It's like this is great news for him because now he can get out of Miami where they're kind of stuck with Tua. Like this, this appears to be their guy, and Colin's not real, real high on him. I'm not, I'm not really either. But Flores is a good coach, and, and it seems like around the league that will be the understanding that, hey, this guy can coach. He's going to get a better opportunity if he waits for a, for a, a, you know, a good spot. Um, who knows? Maybe he goes to Chicago, the Raiders, you know, some of these other openings, Denver. So this could end up being a big win for Flores, even though the initial response was, you got to be kidding me. Well, let's wait and see. So that's, I, I'm going to end up, I'm going to be on that side of it too. I, I actually, I, I love that take because why he was fired makes no sense. Like you, you, you back-to-back winning seasons, which again, that has not happened in a while in Miami. And you fire off a seven-game winning streak. You win seven of your last eight. It's a no-brainer if you have a winning record to ride that momentum into the next season. It's a no-brainer. So he he was fired after doing a good job. So I guess if he's able, if there's a good opening for him, then, I mean, yeah, I guess it worked in his favor because Miami is very difficult, a very difficult spot to win. I want to comment on Vic Fangio. I think it's unfair. I don't don't think it was necessarily the right call to fire him. Hmm. Three years, he had had a top three defense this year. Like, how is he supposed to win with with no quarterback? I was reading an article today saying that there is – there was analysis in numbers ran on if he had a league average quarterback or if he had a quarterback as good as the quarterbacks in his division or around their, their caliber and they're a playoff team. You, how can you judge him by he's, he has no one else to play a majority of the games besides drew lock. He has a top three defense and he has drew lock. All of the, the you guys Bridgewater. have given him drew lock and Bridgewater. But more of the games have been played by Drew Locke. Like, Drew Locke, he's probably proven to be a backup. Yes, without but a doubt. But Vic Fangio has that. crafted a top three defense. I don't know. I just well, I don't think me, he's being judged fairly because he hasn't had a quarterback to actually – I don't know. I just don't think there's enough to judge him as not doing a good job given his success on the defensive side of the ball and given he doesn't have the offensive roster – to be a playoff team. I, it doesn't make sense to me. I, to me, I think there are certain guys that stick around in the NFL for a long time that are great coordinators and they need to stay in their lane. And they're just going to like, that's what they're ultimately going to be. And, and even if they get a chance to be a head coach for a couple years, like to me, you're going to fall back. So, so Fangio is going to be a, a top defensive coordinator next year. Like he'll get a, a great oh, job. Yeah, and no probably make you know, as much money as anybody. And it's like Dan like, Quinn for the Cowboys leave gets fired from the Falcons. And I mean, still did a really good job there, but he might yeah. be a head coach again. I'm not to me. Yes. Quinn might be a head coach. Like that might be, he's taking a team to a Super Bowl. but, but somebody like Fangio, somebody like Wade Phillips, like Wade Phillips <laughs> wasn't a head coach. He was the defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, what'll and, be and, interesting uh, is Josh, McDaniel, which will be guys, interesting is, is Josh McDaniels. What's going to happen with him? Because great coordinator, the, the Denver experiment, not good. He was only 32 years old. So I think he can still be a great head coach, 
But I just have to get this out there. There was an article I read saying Josh McDaniels, one of the likely candidates for the Houston job. Are you serious? Why on earth? If McDaniels turned down the Colts job, he's not going to Houston. Why would he do that? On office guys. That's all. That's all being run by New England guys. Oh, I just don't. They're GM. They, they've got, they've that, got multiple though? guys there. Because you got to think, realistically, he'll be back to being a coordinator after three seasons. If you go to Houston, <laughs> you're not going to win there. Come to on. me, if you're Josh McDaniels, you've waited this long. You've got to be the heir apparent. Like that's you. You got to take over for Belichick. There, there's that. That that's your that's your journey at this point. They'll still be pretty young, you would think. I mean, I well, don't even know. Is he 50 yet? He's like 45. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, the GM that you're referring to, Bryce, is uh, Casario, the Houston yeah. the Houston GM, yeah. who was the longtime GM for, uh, for the Patriots. And a lot of the names that you guys are talking about are going to be in the coaching, in the coaching carousel, as they say. Dan Quinn is going to be one. Um, don't be surprised if Vic Fangio might get a look at somebody, though, because like you said, he was a great defensive coordinator. And because of the fact that the NFL is an offensive league, it's a quarterback-driven league, now the cycle is going to be kind of like, okay, where can we find a head coach that could kind of stem the tide towards that? And that's where Fangio and even Dan Quinn, like you were saying, Luke, Dan Quinn might, might get a look because he literally turned around the oh, yeah. Dallas Cowboys defense to the point where you got Micah Parsons, who's obviously going to be the defensive rookie of the year, but it's going to be in the running for a uh, defense play of the year period. Mm-hmm. Were it not for TJ Watt tying the, um, the sack record. True. So, Henry's so really my, on this crusade for, for Micah Parsons. I am. And um, and as a yeah, Giants fan, it kind of pains me to even say that. We're having but some, Michael we're having some division love here. Some inner division yeah. love here. Back to back weeks, Henry can't can't get enough of Micah Parsons. Yeah, because they probably should have taken him over Kadavius Tony, but we'll save that for another day. But go. um <laughs> staying with the staying with the topic of head coaches though, what kind of head coach do you guys like in particular? Do you like the guy who has the X's and O's, and if he needs to, he can run the offense. If he needs to, he can run the defense. Or do you like the CEO types, like the like the Bill Belichick type, the Bill Parcells type, the, the Mike Tomlin type that runs the team, has his guys runs the team, but he ultimately makes the final decision? To me, what is so underrated in the coaching discussion it's all about the staff. Who is a great leader of coaches? That's the difference. Because I'm watching this in Carolina. The, the Panthers staff just isn't good enough. I watched John Fox's team when he went to the Super Bowl. He had a tremendous staff of assistant coaches. Jack Del Rio was his defensive coordinator. And, and it, a, lot of, a lot of guys were, were here. And, and so even... Ron Rivera, when he had Sean McDermott, like you need to have a strong True. staff. So you need to be a strong personality that you're clearly the leader, but you empower your coordinators and it almost, yeah, you, they're the ones that, that allow you to almost take the credit and shine, but they're the ones that then go get head coaching jobs. And I want, if I'm going to hire a new guy, I want somebody that has been underneath that type of guy too that has been around a, a winning program, a winning franchise, and understands what it takes. So 
I, I like more of the CEO type guy where he is he an offensive guy is a defensive guy. Oh, I don't know. He's just a great leader. He's a great coach and ultimately a leader of players too. But if you're a leader of coaches, I think that that makes a bigger, bigger difference. And so I'm more along the lines of Tomlin, Jim, John Harbaugh, well, Jim or John Harbaugh, both Harbaugh guys. Um, of course, Belichick. I mean, so, that's, what, that's what the Cowboys have. McCarthy, Dan Quinn has complete yeah. autonomy over the defense and then the merging offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. So I love the CEO type just because, again, I mean, the, the difficult thing is, is turnover. You, you're, you have to be able to be a good hire. You have to be able to hire because your coaches are going to leave, especially at the college level. Nick Saban, he's got assistance leaving every year, brings him in. And then, well, builds, great ones. and then builds, builds him up or he'll build, he'll bring in a former head coach, Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Come run my offense. I'll, uh, I'll, that's right. So my only question here is the, the head coaches that call the defensive plays or the offensive plays, what does that coordinator even do? I know. What is their like purpose? That. Like I, I think like of that. like at, uh, at A&M Jimbo Fisher, he calls the plays. I don't even know the offensive coordinator's name. They're not a coordinator. They're offense assistant. They're an offensive analyst. If you're you're not calling the plays, can you be a coordinator? That's always perplexed me. The lead lead offensive assistant. The the lead offensive uh, assistant. I'll call the plays. You just go out there in the booth and watch what we're doing. But but the perfect example of of a coaching tree that you guys are talking about, and I always refer this to people, is Bill Parcells. Because if you take a look, of course, you have Belichick, head coach, Super Bowl winning quarterback. Tom Coughlin, head coach, Super Bowl winning quarterback. Sean Payton was the quarterback's coach, Super Bowl winning quarterback. So all of those guys are from the Bill Parcells tree. And then you have uh, Andy Reid and then his tree. And now you've got Eric Bieniemy, who's in, who's has to have some type of head coaching. Gosh, he's uh, got to. He's got to have some type of head coaching opportunity somewhere. There are six teams that are out there. You can't tell me that Eric Bieniemy, who runs the number one offense in the NFL for the last two to three years, can't get a head coaching job. Me personally, I think that the perfect head coaching job for Eric Bieniemy would be in Chicago. He would be the perfect person to groom to 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 groom um, the quarterback. I can't Justin Fields. Name. Justin Fields. There you go. He'd be the perfect guy to groom Justin Fields with his skill set and get some offensive players around him. Eric Bieniemy would be perfect in Chicago. I so, well, I, I think the, the a fair question though is maybe Eric Bieniemy is better suited as a coordinator, just like I'm saying Vic Fangio. Like I think Vic Fangio and those names I mentioned, Monty Kiffin. Like I think some guys are just better coordinators that to take on that CEO type role. That may not be what their personality, their skill set is. And I think that's okay. I don't think every great coordinator has to be a head coach. I think it's great to have good number two guys. That, man, he's just an awesome offensive coordinator. He's an awesome defensive coordinator. And you, yeah. you attach yourselves to great head coaches, and you, you'll win a bunch. And, and so, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, Dabo Sweeney had some great coordinators. Now those guys are going to, to be head coaches on the college level. Yeah. So how will they do? Um, I wonder if there's – I wonder if coordinators get pressured in – to feeling like they need to go for a head coaching job, yeah, because they a guy do. like a guy like Brent Venables, great assistant at the college level, we'll see if he does well at Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, he's probably I, working against the tide here, but I don't know. Like, if you're a great assistant, 
that you can just be a great assistant, but I wonder how much pressure there is. Okay, you know what? You need to go for this job. You need to be a head coach. I, I'm willing to bet there's a handful of these guys that really deep down don't want that. They want to just be a coordinator and focus on their system, and that's it. And like Matt Nagy will probably Matt Nagy, he'll probably go back to being an offensive coordinator, and he'll never be a head coach again. And uh, Mike Zimmer, same kind of thing. He's a little bit older now too, but I'm not sure that Mike Zimmer was ever. Even though he had a nice, I guess he had a nine-year run, but was he really a great head coach? And eh, no, he's probably just a better coordinator. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. Yeah, it there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. There's nothing. The, to be a head coach is a whole nother ask. To be able to be a leader, to be the head honcho, to set strategy, to set vision, to oversee, that's a completely different skill set than yeah. implementing an offense or a defense. Absolutely. So, so you guys are okay with Will Riker being the guy next to Jean-Luc Picard then? That's a, that's Ooh. kind of Star Trek. Okay, never mind. Oh, yeah, you lost me on Star, that one. Star Trek reference. <laughs> Yikes, that's the first. One, that's the first on unpacking it. One last, <laughs> one last, one last tap. One last tap here we got. I don't know if you guys we were we all were watching NFL this past weekend. We love Saturday NFL. But here's my two questions. One, why are we calling Saturday NFL, yes. Monday Night Football. Yes. And oh. secondly, as much as I love Chris Fowler, as much as I love Kirk Herbstreet, I love what they do. If you're calling it Monday Night Football for the sake of this conversation, why aren't the Monday Night Football guys calling the Monday Night Football game? And why is it Monday night on a Saturday? So I forgot I forgot about this. It I should I should have had it from I'm convinced. I'm convinced that it made me so upset. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? It's a day of the week. Do we is the day of the week sponsored? Can we not call it Saturday Night Football? They, I was watching it, and my first reaction was, "Hmm, man, they're really trying to promo Monday Night Football. That's interesting. It's it's on the on the little banner with the score. It says Monday Night Football, and then in the commercials, it's Monday Night Football. I think, wow, they're they're really trying to get more viewers. And then I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what intern forgot to change it to Saturday Night Football? It still says Monday Night Football. And then I came to reality thinking, no, this is on purpose. And it is absolutely outlandish. It makes no sense to me. It is Saturday night. We're watching the NFL. In no world can you call it Monday Night Football. You're, you're, they're, they're literally saying, welcome to Monday Night Football on Saturday night. It makes no, what are we doing here? I, I was, the, the purest in me was so offended by it. Oh, you guys are funny. I I don't have a problem with it. To me, oh, it's a brand. It's a on. brand. It's Monday Night Football. It's the brand. It's, oh. You get a little booger on your finger or a bigger booger on your screen. You've got McFarland. <laughs> right? You gotta have Schefter. You gotta have Brian Greasy and Levy and all uh, these other guys. Oh, Monday no. Night Football. Susie Calber. That, that's what you got. I can't so, stand it. Oh, I can't do it. I cannot it's, do it. It's the one time a year. I, I, was, oh. I didn't have a problem with it. Here's what I have a problem with. So I, I think that uh, Chris Fowler is an excellent play-by-play guy. So he does college football. We'll hear him on the call tonight. And he does tennis, too. He's across He's the board. I'm not He's very good. Too much tennis. But, but Fowler's, Fowler's really good. And as a, a, he has a big game voice. When you hear Fowler's yes. voice, you're like, man, this is a big deal. That's, that's, always, that's what you pay for with these big-time play-by-play guys. You want the feel of a big game. And Jim Nance, Joe Buck, Al Michaels, they all have it. Yeah. Um, but I don't like that they're calling like that he's calling a Monday night football Saturday night game 
Denver, Kansas City, a game that doesn't matter at 4.30 um, when I'm taking down my Christmas tree. But but the thing is, they had the college championship game. Yeah, it was a week late. It was a week late. A little late. We finally got to it. Um, guys, tonight is the college football championship. And, and, and Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet, they weren't even there. It's an indie. They weren't even there on Saturday. They were in Denver preparing for a Broncos Chiefs game that really didn't mean that much. I guess the Chiefs were fighting for a playoff for a, a seeding. But, yes. but I, I, to me, that's the disconnect. I want those two guys focused on tonight's game. That was an NFL game. Like, yes. I, it's not, so I don't think it's because they're not good enough. They are good enough. But, but to try to do a one-off in the middle of championship weekend when all focus should be on that, are you kidding me? I, that, no. that to me is, um, uh, as a broadcasting nerd, yes. that, is, that is upsetting. So that's a great point. And I think the, 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 the point you're also trying to make is broadcasting takes so much prep Get their focus on the college football championship. Get them in player meetings. Get them in coaches meetings. Have them sit down and talk and be able to be to call a game of that magnitude. Like if, if I was watching the the Chiefs Broncos game, Kirk Herbstreet is naming players and their tendencies. The amount of prep he probably had to do for that after being a college football guy all yes. season, tremendous yeah. amount of time. And they're about to call the biggest college football play the game of the season, what yeah. are we doing? I, why Why would you distract from that? <laughs> of course they're good enough to call an NFL game. No but question. I don't think people realize the amount. it's a full-time job sometimes for these games, the prep work. It's unbelievable. I know. I, I just think that was that was a mistake from that standpoint. And once I heard Kirk Herbstreet call him uh, Tariq Hill, I was like, all right, we've got an issue here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're talking one of the top receivers <laughs> in the league. Tariq. 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 Tough. Listen, I don't know the Raiders head coach's name, but I'm not the only one. Kyle Cowherd doesn't either, I don't think. Yeah, um, but, but Tariq. Tariq, just show you, show you know, you show up on Friday, you're trying to call a game. It's, it's That's right. Yeah. Tariq, no. Tyreek, Tyreek, Kurt. Yeah. We should call him Kurt Herbstreet. Yeah. <laughs> hey, way to go, Kurt Herbstreet. Way to go on the NFL call. Oh, man. We'll call him Gosh. Kirk Herbs, Herb Street. Well, soft Herb H. Street. Kirk Herb, Herb Street. <laughs> I still have a little bitterness toward Kirk. Kurt, uh, after he called App State a cupcake team right before we beat Michigan. Yeah. So. Well, he's That's an right. Ohio State homer anyway. So if you get him on an Ohio right. State call, Matt, That's right. maybe turn that on mute. All right, boys. Yeah. Let's end. Let's end uh, tap drill on this. We keep saying we don't know what the what the Raiders interim coach's name is. Let's give him his props. The head coach, the interim head coach. Of the of the Las Vegas Raiders is Rich Basaccia. That's that's his uh, name. Uh, is that how you say it? <laughs> Rich Basaccia. Uh, really? Yeah. All right. All right. We'll give it to you, Henry. I'll trust you. I'll trust you. No, he's trust me. I know. Trust me. They said it like five thousand times on the road. At least enough to be like, okay, he's still the head coach. We keep forgetting. The, we keep forgetting the fact that yeah, he is the head coach. I, know, you know, I think we all just once once Gruden left, I was like, oh, well, the Raiders season's over. So I just like wrote them off. Like I just kind of I didn't even pay any attention to them, other than Hunter Renfro lighting it up this year. But he actually oh, yeah. dropped a surprising one yesterday. But anyway, uh, all right. Well, we could go all day. We'll uh, we'll, we'll stop there. Uh, but but good stuff, uh, man. What a fun fun weekend it was, and and tonight's game should be entertaining. Um, do you guys have a preference on who you would like to win? I think you can make a case either way. Either team can win tonight. Both teams are great. 
uh, do you do you want one team to win? Uh, Saban already has the most championships ever. So I want Kirby Smart. I want to see Kirby Smart finally do it. I The program he has developed at Georgia is fantastic. So I would love to see Georgia get it done. Yeah, I want to see Georgia get it done simply because Atlanta needs a win besides the Braves. It almost as if the Braves don't count. And they, they need something to get the stench because they're still dealing with the stench of 28 to 3. True. Well, but there are fans in Atlanta, but it's not a full Athens. Actually, Athens is an awesome town. I've been there. I I went to a Georgia game a couple years ago. Great college town. Um, It's not particularly close to Atlanta, but but I I understand what you're saying. It's a similar fan base, just like here in Charlotte. We got a lot of Tar Heel fans all over the place. Exactly, Um, and a lot of Braves fans. I I get that. Um, Yeah, a lot of Braves fans here as well. but I think I've got to go with Alabama because it just doesn't move the needle. And because now if, if Georgia wins, then we got to hear from Georgia fans. Now all of a sudden we have a whole new fan base that is going like that, that's cocky and feeling good about themselves. Whereas with Alabama, we just kind of, we've neutralized them. Like they're, they're tired of winning really. When you think about it, like you don't even hear about their fans, like their fans are nuts, but, but they don't bother me that much. I don't know. I just, that's they actually just all the time. a fascinating point is, they're they're maybe the quietest fans of a winning team. You don't ever hear from them. They don't, first well, of all, they don't even show up to games anymore. That's not a, the SEC championship. Saban has well, called out their fans. With them. <laughs> the first with them. the non-conference games don't even show up anymore. So yeah, it's it's it, it is. They are an interesting fan base because they're so used to winning. It's championship or bust, and and they they win feels like every year. So what an interesting life to be a fan. Championship or bust every year. Yeah. Unreal. The 90s for the Braves, and you happen to mention the Atlanta Braves. The 90s for the Atlanta Braves, when they were winning all of those National League pennants, were the same way. It got to a point where nobody showed up for the Atlanta Braves teams. They were one of the best teams in baseball, but nobody showed up for their games unless it was like the NLCS. And then they were like, okay, call me when call me when they get to the championship game, and that's it. After they won that, that one World Series, they didn't even show up in the regular season. So it's mm-hmm. kind of similar that way. Just to uh, confirm, so Athens and Atlanta, about hour and 27 minutes apart. So, it's Henry, a fair take. I don't think it's – it's not – they're not the same fan base, but it, there is an overlap. There's no question. Because Georgia Tech is in Atlanta, and so is Georgia State. That's in Atlanta, too. So, anyway, Athens <laughs> is outside of – so we had a little geography, geography lesson. Today. Shout geography out to, lesson shout out to Georgia on State. State. Didn't expect yeah. to get a Georgia State <laughs> shout out, which actually a guy in my community group at church went to Georgia State, so uh, he'll be he'll be pleased with that shout out. Okay, just remind him that App State we like to beat Georgia State. It's always fun. <laughs> They're in our conference. <laughs> All right, guys, enjoy the game tonight. We'll uh, we'll be back next Monday to talk about the Wild Card Weekend and preview. Actually, we'll have a Monday night game next week with the Rams and the Cardinals, so that'll be fun. But thanks to everybody listening, jumping on the sh- the, the chat today uh appreciate your uh responses on there uh you can shoot me an email bryce at unpackingit.com any thoughts throughout the week uh let us know uh the devotional will go out later today if you haven't subscribed to unpack this you can do so on unpackingit.com today we talked about the rematch the rematch we face it every day the daily spiritual battles that we're in are we putting on our spiritual armor and 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 clinging to 
salvation we have in Jesus and, and, and trusting in his strength and power and trusting in the word of God to allow us to handle the battles that we face each day. Uh, in many ways, you know, starts over e- each day. It's a, it's a new day. So, uh, so that's the, the focus and the uh, takeaway for today's show. Thanks to Luke and Henry and Chris, our producer. Uh, we will talk to you next week. I'm Bryce. I am a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.